Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Tuesday, November 10th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. Trump loyalists tell federal employees the election isn't over yet. Plus, pollster problems post-vote. First, though, a reality check on the Pfizer vaccine is today's one big thing. Yesterday, the pharmaceutical company Pfizer announced its coronavirus vaccine trial was effective at preventing infections in 90 percent of previously uninfected people. And as of now, there don't yet appear to be any serious safety concerns associated with the vaccine. So this could be a major breakthrough. Pfizer CEO Dr. Albert Borla told Axios Recap host Dan Primack that when he saw the data, it made him emotional. It was a great relief. I had the goosebumps and tears in my eyes. And I was cautiously optimistic, but I was nervous, not because if we're not successful, we're going to lose the billion dollars. But if we're not successful, the world is losing hope. So this is great news, but we also need to be realistic about what this means. Sam Baker is Axios' healthcare editor, and he's here with a reality check. So first of all, when you heard the news yesterday morning, were you hopeful? Were you excited? Yes, very particularly the fact that they said it was 90% effective. The FDA had set a bar of, I think, 50%. Some experts that we had talked to had said, boy, wouldn't it be great if it could be 75% effective. That is better than almost any expert was expecting. It's been a long time since we woke up to news that was like, oh, wow, I didn't think they could do that. Something shockingly good. And that's what I felt hearing this. So it seems like it's great news. What more is there to figure out? First of all, we need to see the full study and real scientific experts and vaccine experts need to have time to go over them and confirm that this really is what this trial showed. Then you have the challenge of manufacturing. They've said they think they'll have 50 million doses by the end of the year. This is a vaccine that requires two shots. So that's enough to vaccinate 25 million people. So even if we assume all those doses are staying in the United States, in a country of 300 million people, you can see that it's going to take a lot of time for this to roll out. So we've talked about this before, Sam. So it's a two-dose vaccine, and it has to be stored at very cold temperatures. What challenges does that pose for manufacture and distribution? This is going to be an incredibly complicated process to get this right. There's, first of all, the challenge of making enough of it. But then once you have doses in hand, they have to be stored at an incredibly low temperature, that 94 degrees below zero in order to keep them stable, and then continue to manage these logistical difficulties too as other vaccines come into the picture, which hopefully will be happening here pretty soon. So there's a lot that has to go right. If there are shakeups in the CDC and in the White House over the next few months, how will this affect the vaccine during this transition period between Donald Trump and President-elect Joe Biden? Unfortunately, the answer is we really don't know. It's going to be up to individuals in both of those camps to keep things moving smoothly, especially because the government is even more involved in the distribution of this particular vaccine than they are in most vaccines. I think it's probably the highest stakes example we have of the questions that surround the entire presidential transition. So that's something that could go wrong, will have to go right, and we just don't know yet what all the moving pieces are that are going to affect which way it goes. Sam Baker is Axios' healthcare editor. You can hear more of the specifics of this vaccine by listening to the most recent episode of our afternoon podcast, Axios Recap, where host Dan Primack interviews Pfizer CEO Albert Borla. 
We'll be back in 15 seconds with the latest on how Trump is handling the election. Welcome back to Axios Today. There's been a lot swirling around the president over the past two days, whether we're hearing reports of him planning a 2024 campaign as he's instructing other people to say that the election is not over. Jonathan Swan has been reporting out all of this and is here to explain. Good morning, Jonathan. Good morning. Jonathan, yesterday we heard leaked audio from a meeting with top USAID officials telling staff that the transition from President Trump to President-elect Biden had not begun and the election hasn't been certified. As you listen to this call, what stood out to you? Well, what stood out to me on the call is, number one, a denial of reality, and number two, this sort of barely-veiled, threatening tone. D.C., at the end of the day, is a really small town. Sooner or later, everybody gets outed for who they are. So my suggestion to all of you, counsel, is to continue to play until the whistle blows. That's audio from the Washington Free Beacon, which broke the story, but you've independently confirmed that audio. How did the USAID staff react to hearing that? Staff viewed that as a threat not to go looking for jobs while they're still under this sort of false illusion that Donald Trump is serving a second term and there isn't going to be a transition. And Jonathan, you've also reported in the past 24 hours that while all of this is happening, the president privately is making plans for a 2024 campaign. Yes. So President Trump has told at least several advisors that he is thinking about running for president again in 2024. It is the first indication we've seen that he knows that his legal challenges are likely to be futile and that this election is over, even though he's publicly still acting like it's not over, saying that the election's been stolen and falsely insisting he's the true winner. Jonathan Swan with the latest on President Trump and his administration. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks so much. In 2016, the polling for the presidential election failed miserably. And four years later, polls were correct about the outcome of this presidential race, but yet again wildly underestimated President Trump's supporters. Sarah Kealani Gu is the executive editor at Axios, and she's been talking to pollsters from all different organizations. Sarah, this is not like four years ago when pollsters just kind of ignored Trump's supporters, right? No. In fact, this is a problem the industry has been dealing with for about a decade. Here's the problem. The polls are, by and large, not getting enough people to just answer the survey. And therefore, they're oversampling people who tend to be Democrats. This isn't by design. In fact, they've tried to correct for this. But they have to figure out how to get this right and just get enough people that are representative of the country to respond to the survey in the first place. So if you're not in the media and you're not running a campaign and you're not a pollster, Why does it matter getting them right? It matters because we want to understand who's voting and why. We had more people turn out than ever before in this election. Our population's changing in terms of voting age groups, demographics. You know, younger voters, they beat in size baby boomers. So that gets fed back into the politics and the policies that you see out of Washington and state legislatures. They have to listen to voters. They have to answer to them. And that's the fundamental part of democracy and the fundamental part we love as journalists to try to figure out how the nation is changing. 
Sarah Kehilani Gu is our executive editor at Axios. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Nyla. At this point, you've probably heard all about the new First Dogs elect and Joe Biden's German Shepherd Major being the first shelter dog in the Oval Office. But he's not the first White House rescue pet. That honor actually goes to the Coolidges, who in 1926 were sent a raccoon who was meant to be served as Thanksgiving dinner. But instead, they kept her and named her Rebecca. And when she wasn't on a leash outside or in a pen near the Oval Office, she dined like a first pet on shrimp and persimmons and got into lots of trouble, including unscrewing light bulbs. That's it for us today. You can reach our team at podcasts at Axios.com or find me on Twitter. If you want more news before tomorrow, tune into our afternoon podcast, Axios Recap. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. 